welcome to Gen Z Magic. I'm your host, Corbin Ford. You can find me on Twitter at CorbinMBA. This is part of the Gen Z family of podcasts ever growing, so definitely make sure to look at them as well. You can find them on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever else you find your podcasts. So for episode one of Gen Z Magic, I really just want to set the stage of what I hope to bring to the table and then maybe talk about the team as it stands right now after the draft, after free agency, and what we're kind of looking forward to. So, just about myself, name's Corbin, obviously, big NBA fan, uh, do a lot of podcasting on them, or just the NBA in general, um, as well as just absorbing content uh, on Twitter, um, on social media, just talking basketball, really love to engage with this sport that's been a big part of my life. Um, happy for the opportunity here with with John and having the pleasure to have met him in Summer League uh, doing Sports Business Classroom together, uh, really getting an understanding of not only his own work ethic and grind, but just how he has plans for this network and being able to carry on with this channel. Uh, the magic specifically is something I was very interested in and happy to kind of talk about because the magic are going in a different direction than they have in years past. Uh, this is the first stage of a complete rebuild, one that they haven't attempted since they let go of Dwight Howard back in 2013. Over the last couple of years, the magic have attempted to build around center Nikola Vucevic, who while is solid, um, while a great offensive player and all-star in the Eastern Conference has not led the Magic to any substantial success, uh, usually early first-round exits. And the Magic have been just kind of a rough team. I mean, so their offense has been basically running through Vucevic and then cobbled together whatever you can outside of that. Defensively, under former coach Steve Clifford, is really where the Magic made their money in terms of being a tight enough unit to stick in games and hold teams, you know, relatively um, within striking distance for the Magic to stay within the game and and, and take quite a few of them. Um, like I said, at least enough to make the AC of the playoffs. But this year, or this past season rather, was the first year that the Magic decided to, you know, reboot, start over. They kind of went as far as they could with their core of Nikola Vucevic, Evan Fournier, and Aaron Gordon. They had these guys on long-term deals, and all they were going to hopefully be was a playoff hopeful or maybe get the playing tournament. Like, it was a clear heart ceiling, and everyone except Orlando seemed to have known it. So, they finally decided to make the moves that they need to make the entire time. Yes, topping out of the seventh seed isn't really a long-term viable option. Not with the group of guys that you're paying the amount of money you are to be in a significantly more competitive situation. So, what did the Magic do? John Hammond pulled the trigger. Vucevic was sent to the Chicago Bulls, Evan Fournier was traded to the Boston Celtics, and Aaron Gordon was sent to the Denver Nuggets. And for those three players, just in total, the Magic received a package of Wendell Carter Jr., Otto Porter Jr., Gary Harris Jr., RJ Hampton, and three first-round picks. Uh, And this is really the beginning for Orlando of moving forward. They took that package together. They finished the rest of the season in horrendous fashion. Uh, couldn't really score well. Couldn't really defend well. They are really starting from the bottom up. Uh, but they did get a lot of draft capital, which is important for any rebuild, of course. And the Magic and starting theirs were able to reap that reward. Uh, like I said, their ratings on offense and defense are terrible. Their record for the season was terrible. And Steve Clifford at the end of the season realized, okay, a rebuild is not something I want to be a part of. And negotiated his way out with the Orlando Magic. Uh, the Magic went on a coach hunt and ended up bringing in Jamal Mosley, a first-time coach who I'm glad is getting a, a chance to really show his stuff at a head coaching position after really grinding for years 
uh, all over across multiple coaching staffs as an assistant coach, uh, most notably with Dallas, but really just being a guy that connects with players. And that's going to be really important for this Magic team because they have a lot of players, specifically young players, and it is clear from the front office that this season is going to be a developmental one. Uh, I said that right, right? Developmental one, yeah. Development season for them. There you go. We're just going to call it that, um, where they're not trying to contend, which is great because the personnel they have is not built for that. But they have some very intriguing young pieces, uh, as well as some holdovers that are still very young as well. I mean, we're talking 23 and under for this Orlando Magic team. Uh, so we're going to kind of dive in, talk about a few of them, and, and kind of see where they're going as we take stock of what happened this offseason for this Magic team. So the 21 and 51 Orlando Magic went into the draft with the 5th and 8th overall picks, the 5th being their own, as the 8th being from Chicago in return for Nikola Vucevic in that package deal. So with that, the Magic were fortunate to select Jalen Suggs. He fell to them 5th after Toronto surprisingly selected Scotty Barnes, uh, which many had mocked to the Magic before the draft began. And then with the 8th overall pick, they selected Ford Franz Wagner, um, as well. We'll talk about those two picks in a little bit here. Just kind of want to run through everything that happened for Orlando. They also were able to pick up a 2026 second round pick as well. Uh, who'd they lose? They had Otto Porter from that package deal during the midseason trades they had. Uh, he signed with the Golden State Warriors. They waived Dwayne Bacon. Uh, they traded the draft rights to Jason Preston to the Clippers. Uh, and they ended up retaining, as far as who they brought back Mo Wagner yes that is Franz Wagner's brother uh for two more years so to have that brother connection um and mind you Mo has his moments uh, of being able to be a solid three-point shooter a decent big uh definitely will mix it up get some fouls there's some value there for being someone who kind of knows his role and I mean if you can get your older brother for literally nothing um while you bring in this young pick why not I mean this is someone that I mean Franz will be able to play with his older brother. It's not like they're going to impact winning that much, so with really no skin in the game for the Magic to not do that. So I'm really happy that they're able to bring him back. All right, so let's go back to looking at the picks. Um, it's kind of hard to screw up. Two top eight picks? I, I feel like the Magic didn't screw up at all with number one. I like Jalen Suggs, what he brings to the table um, as a guard that could potentially potentially be a lead guard in the future for Orlando Magic team that actually already has a stable of guards. If you look at Markel Fultz when he returns from injury, if you look at Cole Anthony, you look at the returning um, vet Michael Carter-Williams, although if we're being honest, Williams is kind of more of a forward at this stage of his career than a guard, but you have a lot of guys there that are decent. I mean, Markel Fultz uh, has definitely improved since he's been traded to Orlando. He signed a three-year extension with them. He's someone that uh, led a decent ball club, had the Orlando Magic to their best start ever uh, before going down with that ACL injury, so we're not sure how he's going to be when he comes back, but that shooting still hasn't come um, since his unfortunate injury. As far as shooting from range, uh, particularly long range, that's not in his game, and that's something that you kind of want your point guard to have if penetration isn't always an option. Uh, Cole Anthony, uh, picked 20th last season, played well, uh, started off pretty rough, ended up pretty strong, had an uneven middle of the season, and injury also played a part in that. But he's someone that right now I think is more shot first, pass later. Maybe someone who projects as more of a six-man type point guard. Um, and then Mike Carter-Williams, who has some 
point guard capabilities, but it's more than likely uh, your small forward, maybe your shooting guard, definitely your swingman type guy. So when you bring in Jalen Suggs, you bring in a guy who comes in with the rep of being a solid shooter, especially over the last couple of years, someone who can bring his athleticism and use that as well, uh, maybe turn into some more shot creation, become that guy who makes plays happen on a Magic team that really don't have that. So that was a solid pick. I'm 100% good on that. Uh, Mo Wagner is where it gets interesting. Um, Mo Wagner from Michigan, I He's okay. I don't understand when... This is my own personal philosophy here. I'm sure many agree with this. If you get a top 10 pick and you get a guy who can be potentially the best player on a team, you do that. If you're if you're picking for fit, then fine. I think Wagner fills a lot of needs. He's a guy who can do a little bit of everything. Doesn't do any one thing great, but he can fill in a spot. And if you're a team that like, like let's say the Warriors or, or a team that was drafting in the lottery that, you know, kind of new to the game there uh definitely wanted to pick up some pieces here and there to add to their already existing core then great 100 percent. but right now i mean you were 21 and 51 orlando has plenty of room to grow you want to find the guy who can maybe be that guy who can who you are building around because right now you are starting from nothing essentially starting from scratch so i don't know if Wagner was the right choice especially when moses moody was still there uh Moses Moody is someone I was really big on. He comes in as an intriguing prospect that is pretty much already a regular rotation player in the NBA. I think right now he's more of a complimentary wing player, but the fact that he can knock down outside shots, he shot uh, just under 36% from three, and that he can defend multiple dis- multiple positions, I-, I think is a major plus to get him on the floor immediately for this young Orlando Magic team, and also give him a chance to further diversify his game. Because if he does improve his ball handling, he does improve his passing, maybe tweak his mechanics to be a more um, consistent, more versatile shooter, Moses Moody can jump up another level. That's a guy you look at that you say, hey, he can be one of our best players on this Orlando Magic squad in two to three years' time. Give him heavy development and see how he evolves as a player. This Orlando Magic team that needs help from those wing spots. They need scoring from that wing position. They need shooting from anywhere on the floor, and Moses Moody would provide that. And in addition to that, his athleticism on the defensive end, his length, yes, he needs more polish there, but he has a very good wingspan, solid leaping ability, good lateral quickness. Uh, That can translate to on-ball defense effectively. It hasn't as of yet, but again, you know, you bring him with this coaching staff led by Jamal Mosley and the developmental staff that's trying to get him to be a better player, and you have a much higher ceiling, in my opinion, over someone like a Franz Wagner, who projects to be a very solid role player no matter where you go, but the outcome of him possibly being uh, one of the main guys for Orlando is not likely especially when you look at him considered someone in Moody, and then you look at how their respective summer league performances were. Moody did flash a lot more on-ball juice. He did come as a solid shooter. He did uh, show some ability to get to the rim, finish around there. It was very encouraging to see if you're a fan of the Golden State Warriors or just a fan of Moody in general, but looking at how he fit in Orlando, the type of archetype of player that Moody is, that wing-type score, potentially, is something that, Let's be real. Orlando hasn't had for many years. I mean, even in their heyday uh, around Dwight Howard, you know, they had a huge Herculeu. Uh, you had yourself a Jameer Nelson. You had a solid stable of shooting guards, whether it was a Courtney Lee or a J.J. Redick, um, players of that caliber. But you didn't have a, a go-to wing guy, unless you count Rashard Lewis. And to me, he was more like a big four um, and more of a spot-up guy kind of feeding off of Dwight Howard than anything else, as good as he was. So, 
you would get that kind of archetype player that you haven't had in a while, and I thought that was a missed opportunity there. But uh, transitioning from the draft and going to more free agency, uh, ideally I thought that Orlando would target free agency a little bit differently, whether that was primarily looking at second draft opportunities, players who had had their value kind of depreciated on other teams that could maybe resuscitate that on a team like Orlando that's building, you know, where there's minutes and opportunity potentially available for these guys. Um, limited run and maybe getting more of a chance to, you know, find the right role for them. I was thinking guys like a Frank Nilakina or maybe trading for a guy like a Marvin Bagley or a Jared Culver. Well, Jared Culver did get traded uh, from the Minnesota Timberwolves, unfortunately, not to Lando Magic or maybe fortunately given how he's played um, and said to the Memphis Grizzlies. Marvin Bagley, as of the time of this recording, is still staying pat in Sacramento. Frank Nilakina laid on the free agency line for a little bit of time and finally signed with Dallas Mavericks. So that didn't work out that way. It seemed that Orlando was content to stand pat, which may not be the wrong move in terms of not bringing major or, or even semi-major signings. They signed Robin Lopez, and I think that he is a decent fit for them and someone who is a veteran that can round out their depth someone who has a reputation as a great locker room guy, someone who has a reputation as a great teammate, someone who will play well, but not well enough of any consequence for Orlando to dictate any major um, trends in their trajectory, you know, win-wise. So he's able to give you all the things a vet will give you, except maybe that um, extraordinary um, impact on the floor, which is fine. Uh, someone who is probably going to be behind Wendell Carter Jr. and Mo Bamba, or at least that is the hope uh, for either Carter or Bamba. If Lopez is playing over you significantly, like that's kind of a scary thought, especially since both centers are entering free agency the next season or are going to be looking for a long-term extension. That's not great. Aside from that, Orlando signed Mo Wagner, which, I mean, makes sense. They already have um, Franz there, so having the older brother who, you know, didn't do a whole lot, um, is okay. Uh, he played some power forward, he played some center. Whether he is that long-term remains to be seen, but now you have enough bodies in that position. Uh, you know, Wagner in Orlando was solid to close the year. Um, probably enough so that whether or not Franz was drafted for the Magic, probably deserved a chance to see if he can build on that that promise that he kind of showed. Again, I don't see him being a major game changer, but someone who is still young enough, has bounced around a little bit, played with the Lakers, played with the Wizards, and, you know, still has a chance to make something of his career. And if they're still in Orlando with his younger brother, then why not? Uh, one thing that Orlando did not do in free agent I thought was interesting was choosing not to add a wing. Um, despite being sacked of bigs and having more than enough point guards, the Magic are thin on bodies that play the traditional small forward position. You really have just Terrence Ross, and that's about it. I mean, maybe you could put Jonathan Isaac there once he returns, even though I think he's more of a four. Uh, maybe Chumo Kiki spent some time down there, although, also, I think he's more of a four. Maybe Franz Wagner can play there. Again, he's played there in college, but guess what I'm about to say? Yes, I think he's also a four. So, maybe that's where they go. Or, again, like mentioned earlier, doesn't really matter all that much. I mentioned enough guys who can play the two, maybe go some to a three. We're talking a guy like a Gary Harris. We're talking a guy maybe like a RJ Hampton, who has grown two inches from six foot four to six foot six, um, reportedly. And so there's something there. Um, otherwise, it's still kind of awkward. So not really sure uh, how I feel about that. And then the last thing of any note that the Magic did in the offseason was trade their 33rd overall selection. Uh, they traded them the Clippers, uh, the pick rather. They traded the pick to the Clippers for a future second that will most definitely be worse because it's the Clippers and they're in a way better position than the Magic are by like 
a certain stratosphere. <laughs> um, and, you know, they got cash as well. So now they've traded away second-round draft picks in five of the last six years. Uh, the last time they failed to do so was 2019. They didn't have a selection to trade away. So there we go. But, I mean, it, it definitely isn't of much consequence uh, on the short term. But, you know, some of these second-round picks end up becoming you know, decent players, you know, there's value to be found in those latter picks, especially if you look at the more analytical side of team control and how the magic on a young roster that can become very expensive, very quickly can leverage that with young talent that they can, you know, have on hand for years to come, uh, trading that away for cash and future seconds that will put you farther back in the draft in future years isn't maybe the best way to go about it, but is not huge enough that it's a major consequence. So I'm really just picking nits here. In closing, episode one of Gen Z Magic with myself at the helm, I just want to say I'm excited to, to really dig into a rebuild of a team like this. You know, the Magic have a young roster. They have a young coach. New coaching staff developmental team. I am excited to see kind of where they go following the peaks and the valleys of this team, of this franchise. And, you know being able to chart its progress. You know, you rarely do you see teams in the NBA that completely say, okay, we're going to start over scratch and build up. We have the Oklahoma City Thunder right now. Um, other teams that are in that area because they are just bad and no easy way of rebuilding, but most are in that middle phase, uh, that, that treadmill of mediocrity, if you will, as they try to, you know, field a competitive roster for the playing tournament, uh, potentially a playoff spot. Maybe they can have a decent enough supporting cast that a star from another roster will, will, will come over, come free agency, or, you know, a trade uh, with the assets that that one team may have accumulated in the time to be able to uh, have available. So with the Magic right now, there's none of that, <laughs> you know? There's nowhere they're going except ground zero where they are right now, and to be able to follow that along is exciting. I hope to uh, advance and evolve my own coverage as the team advances and evolves, and I think that that will be a great journey to go on, and I'm happy to be able to do that. So definitely make sure um, with that to stay tuned for more episodes of the Gen Z Magic. Follow me on Twitter at Corbin NBA. Follow the whole Gen Z channel for sure. Like I said, Gen Z, Gen Z Magic, you can find that wherever podcasts are found. Um, and honestly, let's have a great time. Thank you for joining me again. Appreciate y'all. Love everyone who listens. <laughs> and y'all have a good one, alright?